Hello and welcome to episode 31 of The One One. This is BJ Ryan. Joining me on your West Australian Racing podcast is our regular guest, Pete McCormick, and rising star media talent, Michael Heaton. Welcome to the show, guys. Morning, BJ. Morning, Pete. Thanks for having me on as your fourth emergency. <laughs> G'day, BJ. G'day, Michael. It seems that Michael and I are the B team. Um, <laughs> the only time I've worked with Michael before was on Racing Radio when everyone went away and they had to scrape the bottle in the barrel and we, we were the ones. So history repeats. Not true. Not true. We did flag on last week's uh, episode that we're looking to get more guests and uh, more content on the show. So this has been a great opportunity to get Pete back and Michael on for his debut appearance here at the 1-1. Now, you might notice that we are without the Perth Racing Guru, aka Terry Layton. Terry's embarking on a journey of spiritual enlightenment this week, So, but we'll definitely be still getting the good oil from these two fine gentlemen. Now, Pete, you're a bookmaker by trade and it looks like you've recently successfully pivoted into the punting space full-time. How's things been going uh, since the last time we saw you here on the show? Yeah, it's been going really well, BJ. I'd say pivoting successfully into the punting is probably a week-by-week proposition, <laughs> but at the moment it's trending upwards, which is good. So, no, I'm really enjoying the punt, actually, and so much so that um, even though uh, things are moving rapidly with this COVID uh, situation, bookmakers are back on course as of this Saturday. Um, I'm going to actually delay my return until Ascot um, for a number of reasons. One is that I'm really enjoying the pun, and if I can make a full-time go of that, I, I, I probably will as much as I can. But really the best time for us to be bookmaking is that summer period at Ascot between the opening of Ascot and, and Perth Cup Day. And that's what, what I really want to focus on. And with the, the government of West Australia really throwing bookmakers in this state under the bus with the... Uh, the uh, POC tax that's, that's come in, it, it really does make it difficult for us and I won't go on about that anymore, but I've really got to look at other horizons if I can and if I can make a go of the punting, I'll do that. Cool. So as Pete mentioned, they, the COVID restrictions have been, uh, the government restrictions have been eased, Michael, and the they'll be throwing the, the gates open to the public at Belmont this Saturday. Yes, there might be a queue out the front. Uh, there's a lot of Punters has been looking forward to, uh, that have been looking forward to going to the races and uh, I was at Carnarvon the other day and uh, there was no real crowd there as yet, only essential uh, personnel on course. So when I have been at the races for work the last couple of months, it just hasn't been the same vibe. There's uh, no nothing really over the PA, uh, only trainers and jockeys on course, but I think everyone will really enjoy getting the punters back on course and being able to have a beer as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think if there's a day that you're going to head out to to Belmont, it'll be this Saturday because it, it should be it should be a really good vibe around the course. And Pete, you said that there's going to be bookmakers there. Is that right? Bookmakers fielding? Yes, my understanding is yeah. that there will be two bookmakers, uh, Styleform and Scotty Thornett in the main ring, and Peter Univich out at the parade bar ring. Good stuff. All right. Well, they hopefully they should uh, be get get a few get a bit of business through their uh, satchels on saturday so um yeah it's exciting for for wa and for wa racing that the crowds are getting back out there and things are slowly but surely returning to some sort of normal state um so that's good stake um, money increase as well we saw the other day yes yes so when is that coming back from the start of the new season first of august i believe yeah, yeah. so we've uh copped i think it was 20 percent reduction during COVID, but that's a pretty good result i think to be back to full stake within the space of a few months 
Good stuff. All right, that's great news for the industry participants as well. So now it's time to get to know our guest, Michael Heaton, a little bit better. I so, might have to throw in a few Beejas and Bernards today <laughs> just to make up for Terry not being here. <laughs> Looking forward to it. So, Michael, do you want to just let the listeners know about your previous and current involvement in the great game? Yeah, so I'm a, a Kalgoorlie boy, born and bred in Kalgoorlie, grew up on a uh, – horse training property that was previously owned by George Grilizic there. Had a number of trainers uh, trained from there as I grew up, uh, namely Steve Wolf, uh, who stable, of course, you're involved with BJ and really got uh, a look at the industry that way as I was growing up, rode horses as I was um, uh, eventing and so forth throughout my high school years and stopped at around year 11, footy basketball and school and everything as well. Uh, moved to Perth for uni, uh, after I finished year 12 and uh, that was to study journalism but I only lasted a year I wasn't uh, too eager to be uh, studying at that stage and did a range of different things real estate and so forth but always had a bit of involvement in the racing I've probably done it a little bit differently I had uh, uh, an association some friendships with some trainers and jockeys before I got into uh, the media side and Towards the end of my real estate career, I really found myself doing more racing stuff than real estate. So I went back to uni and finished off my journalism degree. And the last four years, I've been uh, managing jockeys. Uh, Alan Kennedy was my first, and he was writing work for Ben Pierce when when we first started. And Ben was looking for a uh, someone to send out reports to the owners. So introduced me, and I ended up becoming a communications guy for Ben Pierce's stable. And then when he and Dan joined forces a couple of years later to, to pit form Pierce Racing, uh, my role sort of grew from that point on, communications with uh, the, the website and social media and reports to the owners and all of that sort of stuff. Uh, since I finished uni, I've been doing, uh, I wear a few different hats, Sky Racing uh, form for meetings across the state and uh also on sunday mornings Lockie taylor marty young and i do racing rewind so we a bit of an in-depth review on the metropolitan race meeting the day before eight o'clock on sunday mornings uh write feature articles uh for the magazine and so forth and also the races wa when i'm needed and rawa harness on their social media platforms as well yeah i see you often uh, on the uh at the ra- the races wa at the races wa on the um friday nights at gloucester park what's it been like moving into the harness world uh, in a way yeah well my background was always in in thoroughbred racing so i never really had uh much experience in the trots but it was uh, i really enjoyed it it was a great especially as uh i guess my apprenticeship so to speak if you um liken it to something like that i had no real experience to begin with so uh going through the trots very welcoming people and they uh they really enjoyed the the coverage that they get so that was a, a pretty easy transition and yeah, it definitely helped uh, me grow to other roles that I've since been doing in, in the gallops. Good stuff. So you take your form pretty seriously still? Yeah, so form was sort of always where I was at um, over the years. That's That was my main uh, involvement in racing and that's how what sort of triggered my interest uh, moving forward and that's when I decided to go back to uni and uh, finish off my journalism degree and go down the journalism path. But form was always primarily my uh my initial interest in the sport good stuff all right well, we might just while we're going through the preview i might just throw to you and you can let the listeners give them a bit of insight into how you go about your form study and how you get yourself set up for a meeting such as saturday um communications uh man for 
Pierce Racing. Um, ho- uh, sort of horrible news coming out of the camp last week in regards to the stable star Angelic Ruler um, passing away. Uh, it must have been very difficult week for the stable um and i understand listening to julio santarelli on um, tab radio that there's some other other horses that have that have unfortunately um has a few setbacks as well um what's it like having to um being a part of a, a stable that there's there's the big highs of winning big races and being a part of all that and then you've got to also pass on this tragic information to owners and things like that it must have must must have been a tough time for everyone involved yeah it was certainly a uh, a rough week and really feel for all the owners and big cole as well big cole uh, ben and dan's old man of course he raced the mother tip uh tip the angel, tip the angel uh, yeah. and had great success with her then kept her as a brood mare and now he's had bred angelic ruler and retained 50 percent ownership so that was uh, gut-wrenching for him. But it just seems as any, everyone who's involved with the racing stable, when it rains, it pours, really. Mm-hmm. There was, it's sort of one thing after the other. I remember hearing, I think it was maybe last spring or summer, Simon Miller had a number of horses that seemed to go down, Lady Cosmology and a couple of others that went down pretty quickly. And yep. it, it's funny how the world works. And, yeah, the Pierces haven't had the best of runs. Dig Deep, of course, uh, fractured that uh, leg in his first up run and – and then Angelic Ruler passing away from seemingly it sort of just uh, came from nothing really. It was a little bit colicky after the after the race and eventually got worse and worse. Spent a couple of nights at the vets and uh, and yeah, there was a foreign object found in her stomach, which they believe was a piece of black string that she's somehow ingested uh, over the past twelve months. So uh, and that couldn't pass through her bowels and, and eventually. Um, built up into a big cemented ball and food and everything else that gets passed that way latches onto it and eventually just gets bigger and bigger and uh, apparently it was the size of two fists being put together so it was very very big and she would have had that during her Melbourne campaigns and everything else so and uh, she's very very tough and Mm. the way she raced and never showed any signs of pain always looked a million dollars in the coat and it makes you. It does make you wonder what if uh, when you when you hear of things like that. That sort of an issue that she was carrying through that whole time. Absolutely, yeah. Um, real shame for for WA Racing because she was a real, you know, she was a real star on on the East Coast as well. Um, um, only four years old as well, so I imagine she had a good, good nice broodmare career yeah. ahead of her as well. Quite valuable. That's right. Um, more positive news. I they tell me Vital Silver is back in work is that right yeah so yeah. he was getting a bit a uh, bit fat in the paddock there isn't a great deal around for him so he i think uh ideally he would go to uh i think the same preparation as what he did last year so go to melbourne for the gill guy and the manicato and then come back for the winter bottom uh, but that would obviously depend on flights of uh, flight availabilities and and everything like that so forth but if that's not an option then i think He'd probably just come back into work for four to six weeks and then go back out for another month, then come back in because it was in that uh, really tricky spot. It took him uh, it took a long time to be able to get him over from Melbourne following his last prep. Uh, he had to eventually get on a truck to make his way over here, lost a bit of condition, so he was never going to come up for the Roma Cup and the winter features. And that break between not being ready for that and the summer carnival was just a bit too long to be sitting in the paddock for a few months. He just got stranded over there through the COVID. Yeah, there yeah. were a few horses that did and yeah. unfortunately he was one of them. Okay, and the other potential stable star is unbeaten three-year-old, three from three, Cliffs of Comfort. Any update for the listeners on him? Yeah, so he's been back in work uh, a few weeks. He uh, should just be about ready to 
uh, to pace work, I think, and he didn't have a great, uh, a great deal of time off, so he probably needs to get up and running. They did want to bring him back after a short break uh, for the West Speed, seeing he's a three-year-old. He's only got, I think, uh, we're almost in July, so only a month left, so that's probably a little bit ambitious now, but I'd probably expect to see him race maybe in August, and he, he seems to have come back well. Excellent. Yeah, very exciting. Um, on pace, sprinting three-year-old Cliffs of Comfort, that's for sure. And, uh, of course, the boys, Pierce Racing, have um, a couple of winning chances at Belmont on Saturday, which we'll get into in the preview. Jerry Noski, uh, one of your jockeys, is riding a very well-regarded two-year-old, um, Billy Ain't Silly. So interesting to get, get, get your thoughts on that. And um, Alan Kennedy has a few nice rides on the day as well. Um, Quick update on Chris Graham. Obviously, he received a, a two-month suspension. How's he going and uh, what's it look like? What's his pathway back to race riding look like at the moment? What's his timeline? Yeah, so I manage Chris as well as Alan and Jerry and uh, I've been on the sideline the past six weeks. I think he's due back in, uh, might be a fortnight tomorrow, his first meeting back. And he's uh, been in really good spirits throughout it all. He uh, copped it better than... Uh, than I would have and then that I expected him to and uh, yeah he's very motivated guy Chris he went down uh, he went down to Ascot a few times during his break on Saturday mornings um, just so people didn't forget about him and he can just ride work and continue those relationships for when he gets back and uh, very driven for an apprentice and I think last week he enjoyed a week up north just as a bit of a freshen up and now he's back and attacked for two weeks and hopefully he can kick away. The apprentice's, apprentice ranks are probably a little bit thinner now with Jade McNaught outriding her claim and Chloe doesn't have too far to go and some of the other apprentices aren't uh, haven't been cleared to ride Saturdays yet. So hopefully uh, Chris can build some momentum and, and be number one this season. Three kilos still, Chris Graham? I yep. think he's got two or three wins left in his three, then he's yep. down to two. Okay. Oh, that's good. That's good that he's... Um He's remained positive throughout the, the whole experience and he'll be back in the saddle before we know it. Now, last weekend, we uh, it was Belmont Guineas Day and um, KC, the uh, outstanding Group 1 winning filly, she she got the job done again, knocking off uh, Canberst and, and Labor Rod. Um, Pete, last time you were on, we spoke about the merits of KC and Showmanship, who both won at Belmont a few weeks back. They both won again at Belmont on Saturday. Um, what were your thoughts on those two? They appeared to be the two standout performances on, on the card. Yeah, I think they both ran very well. KC should have. I mean, she was back to set weights. Um, in the previous race, she gave weight to Laver Rod and gave him a beating. There was a bit of discussion about which was the better run or not the better run. Um, this race was always going to suit KC better than Laver Rod, I think, out to the 1600. Laver was a bit of a no-show. So KC beat Canvassed at set weights. Canvassed, I don't think, is any superstar. So she did what she had to do, but I wouldn't take anything great out of that run. Um, showmanship still, again, same sort of thing. He was sensational at his previous win. He did what he had to do. He's still moving forward. Um, how they actually rated, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, Dan O'Sullivan, I think, rated KC one of his best five runs around Australia on the day. Um, I'll take he, he knows more about these things than me, so I'll take him at his word. But um, the Belmont Guinness is never really a super strong race. Uh, Canvas, I wouldn't have put as one of the top ten in Australia, I wouldn't have thought. So um, it, they did what they had to do. There's no knock on either of them. Yeah, so so I remember when it was an episode, I think you were on, and we were discussing railway stakes futures and the merits of it, and Terry was very bullish about um, the Michael Lane prepared free trade, um, and we were discussing 
a hypothetical uh, railway market. Um, I put on Twitter the other day that showmanship just looks like the he just looks like a real railway stakes horse. Um, was there, he he's just progressing through the grades. I know it's a it's a long way away at, uh, for now, but he's progressing through the grades. He's dominating at that level. He looks like he's got the the engine and the motor to be able to make the leap to group enlisted company. Michael, were you on the racing radio on Sunday morning? Was there any discussion about showmanship um, via post-race interviews or anything like that about what, what Bob Peters plans to do with him moving forward? No, I was on the plane to Carnarvon, unfortunately, so that was the first one I've missed in a while. Uh, Lockie, I think it was Lockie Shorty and, and Marty, so I'm not too sure who they had on. All right, so you would imagine that he, as Bob Peters likes to do, he'll just keep progressing through the grades with... With showmanship and um, and more than likely he'll just keep building confidence and and moving moving forward into the into the bigger races in time. Um, showmanship so, or windstorm? Well, who's your number? Who's your on topper? Well, that's a really good question. I, I would say the way that showmanship's going at the moment, he's he's probably got his nose in front. I will we'll, we'll obviously be discussing windstorm. Um, he'll be going around at what dollar twenty five, dollar thirty, I think, Pete, on Saturday in a. Eight yeah, he's thirty at the moment, and mm. uh, gee, Bob's got a wealth of riches at the moment, hasn't he? I mean, we're talking Windstorm, well, Superstorm, and um, Regal Power aren't bad horses either that he's yeah. got coming back from Melbourne, who, who were Quinella to Group One race over there. Um, not to mention uh, Arcadia Queen, and not to mention Tuscan Queen, who yeah. may come back from injury. Um, he's, as I say, he's got a wealth of riches, and who knows what he hasn't hasn't let loose yet. Well, um, he uh, he stepped out two babies at uh, Belmont yesterday, having a good run with his two-year-olds. Yeah, yeah. So they. They both won, um, aided by a cutaway, but they were both pretty, pretty decisive um, juvenile victories in the opening two races at Belmont yesterday. So the Cerise and White are um, the army. They're just, they're just absolutely killing it at the moment. Um, but we did see, that, speaking of two-year-olds, we did see a really nice horse. He's two from two now, Reign of Fire. Um, got back, Geordie Turner had to make a sort of sustained three-wide move on him in, in a, um, a race that, that sort of... Um, Miss Ivy League and Kiryu almost sort of tried to pinch really tactically well-ridden race but that horse showed its class late and got the job done what do we think of of Rain of Fire as maybe a spring summer type horse yeah we ready made two-year-old looks really uh, obviously a forward uh, forward going type but those what, what is it the is it the Listia 1400 I think the lead up to a guineas those sort of races Looks to have his uh, his name all over. I would have thought that'd probably be be the aim. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, um, yeah, really nice horse from the Colin Webster Yard, and we're going to be uh, talking about another two-year-old from Colin Webster Yard shortly in Billy Ain't Silly when we preview um, Belmont Hyperion, um, sorry, Strickland Stakes Day. Um, and finally, we saw the Pontiff Paul Harvey bounce back to some uh, rich vein of form in the last couple of weeks, and he bookended the program last Saturday with hula hoops for Justin Warwick and cryptic love for David Harrison, Pete. Yeah, he's going really well, I think. Um, I love seeing Paul Harvey next to a horse that I want to get involved in at the moment. Um, he's certainly elite when he's when he's going well and he seems to be back in that vein of form again now. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely got the fire in the belly at the moment, um, So, which is great. It's great for West Australian racing um, when the pontiff is up and about. So 
just about time we kicked off on the preview, guys. So um, quick reminder that um, Mitchell Pateman, jockey Mitchell Pateman and his manager, Dane Hollingworth, they're booked to come on the 1-1 in uh, the next few weeks. So looking forward to, to having those two guys on to talk all things West Australian horse racing. Now it's uh, five past 11 on Thursday, June 25. And from a racing calendar point of view, we have 10 races at Pinjarra this afternoon. They kick off very soon, I think, the race one. Um, uh, Strickland Stakes Day at Belmont on Saturday, um, as well as the weekend finishing up with a Kalgoorlie meeting in the goldfields on Sunday. So quick mention to our sponsors, the Mundaring Hotel and Market City Beats. Uh, they've been with us um, from the start. The Mundaring Hotel sponsor our WA Racing Mastermind competition, which we're looking at rebooting shortly. And Market City Meets, obviously, our uh, sponsor of our very popular um, Twitter-based competition, the Get Out Stakes. But we'll run through all those details later in the show. All right, we're ready to start our preview, guys. Belmont Strickland Stakes Day, rally's out two metres. Uh, I think we're looking at around a soft five, depending on how much rain we get in the next couple of days. Michael, what are we looking at from uh, a weather point of view? Yeah, clear conditions today, one to five mil forecast tomorrow, five to ten Saturday, but not hitting until the afternoon and evening. So I'd probably assume it'd be around a soft five, maybe a soft six at absolute worst. I don't think we were going to be seeing uh bog conditions that's for sure yeah and i think the i, I know the tracks have been rain affected recently but i think the forms held up quite well i think the good horses are all and are still are still winning there hasn't been too many odd results i wouldn't have thought pete no no the form seems to be standing up pretty well yeah yeah the rail at two meter at two meters is an interesting position that's there's only been at the two uh twice in the last two years and one of those last year was uh, only the derail was only in the two metre from the 800 to the 400, 400 metre point. The rest was in the true. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think six of the nine winners came from the first half of the field. The other time when it was the rail was at two for the entire, uh, seven of the eight winners came from the first half of the field and I think two led and one. Uh, so probably back markers doesn't really appear to be suited by that conditions. Couple that with the soft track. Okay. Do you think we'll be getting a ice cold rail this time, Pete? <laughs> we need to channel uh, the racing guru to answer that question, I think. Um, like Michael uh, just mentioned off air before, we both tend to plan for a leaderish track and then adapt if it's otherwise. And you're right, 75 or 80% of the time by doing that, I think. And the way I do ratings is that by continually rating horses and the, the, the races are the leaderish, you tend you tend to get ratings that are built in with a leaderish kind of bias, and uh, I'm quite happy with that. The only time it throws me is when you get a run on track. Okay. All right. Race one, 11.58 a.m. It's the free entry to Belmont Plate for the two-year-olds. This horse has already cracked a couple of mentions in the show already. Billy Ain't Silly, a very well-regarded first starter from the uh, Colin Webster stable, two from two from trials, be taking on... Um, Madame Torio, they seem to be the two that are leading the market in the at this early stage. Madame Torio, a very impressive midweek winner. First up for Martin Allen. Pete, have you got any early thoughts on the two-year-old thousand on Saturday? This is a really interesting race, mm. I think. I don't have a strong opinion on it necessarily, but there's so many layers to this race. You've got Billy Ain't Silly, which has been so impressive in its trials and has been touted by the stable as perhaps being better than Rain of Fire, which is a big call. Mm. Uh, consequently, it's opened up very, very short in the market, I think. You've got Bourbon Bow, which is 
trained by Simon Miller, the king of the kids, and trialled very well, but you know that they're going to race probably even better than they trial. It tends to be the way he does it. Um, interesting to see a son of Brazen Bow go around as well, one of the uh, elite sires, up-and-coming sires in the country at the moment. Ginger Green, I thought, was super at the trials. Mm. It ran the same time as Billy Ain't Silly Sat, three deep, no cover, was very green. But, gee, it savaged the line, I thought, in the last 100 metres of that trial. I, I think it's got a great deal of upside as well and a great deal of potential. Madame Torrio spanked them at the midweek, what was it, 5.7 lengths running away. It was a super impressive speed performance. And I'm really interested in, in the continuance. At this stage on Thursday, it's still in the field. It ran, I thought, a very promising race yesterday for us on, on Wednesday. Set outside the speed, a pretty hot speed. Um, Genora sat behind the leader and faded, continuance kicked to the front and only got run down late by a Pike special along the rails. Um, backing up off three days is a bit of a Lindsay Smith specialty. I'll be very interested <laughs> with, to see with, how... With two-year-olds? <laughs> well, I don't know about two-year-olds, yeah. but if you look at... Oh, I don't look at uh, figures a lot, it's more anecdotal, but yeah. he tends to, to do very well backing horses up. Um, he would know his horse pretty well. It must be fit and well um, to be doing that. If he does do it, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. I think... 18 or $21 somewhere I saw is, is a shade of overs if it does take its place in the field. Continuance for Pete. Michael, what were your thoughts on the baby's race? Yeah, not a strong opinion. Two-year-olds aren't uh, my bread and butter, so I'll leave this one to you boys. But, yeah, interesting continuance. Third run in the space of 14 days, uh, I think it is. It was only 11 days between runs heading into that second-up run. I love the three-day backup, but with two-year-olds, uh, a bit of an interesting move. Too spicy first up, no mm. trial. Uh, not unusual for the 30-yard, but a little bit unusual for a two-year-old. So be interesting to see uh, how she comes back. But I'm just really looking forward to Billy Ain't Silly. There's a bit of hype on this horse, and uh, he was scratched a couple of weeks ago, but uh, apparently he's all is well now. So uh, Colin Webster's had a pretty good run with his two-year-olds in recent times as well. His yard as a whole is, is going quite nicely. So looking forward to seeing him bring it to the races. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but what has, has Jerry um, got a spring in her step when she talks about um, Billy Ain't Silly? Yeah, this Jerry is the Nosky, horse she's been waiting yeah. for for a while. Uh, I actually asked her the other day, how does he compare with, with Rain of Fire? And uh, I think ability-wise, they're, they're fairly similar from what I can gather, but Rain of Fire is a real ready-made, uh, sort of compact, muscular type of two-year-old. Billy Ain't Silly is a bit, a bit gangly, a little bit dumb in the head still, more of a slow maturer, but can go up just as well. So whether he takes it to the races, this prep or no remains to be seen, but I think uh, in preparations to come, there there might not be much between them. Good stuff. Yeah, I'm, I was very keen, Billy Ain't Silly, uh, first up two weeks ago, he was scratched with an elevated temperature. As as Michael said in, in his spiel, Colin Webster Camper, they're doing all the right things with their whole with the whole stable, stable wide really at the moment. So you can't really fault that that yard. Uh, I wouldn't imagine they'd be taking a horse that they've got such a strong opinion of to the races unless they thought he was cherry ripe. I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in Billy Ain't Silly on top as um, as when I was looking for about three three seventy for him. Um, I think there's a bit of three sixty, three sixty five available at the moment. Hopefully can can get out towards my price. Madame Torio, how how can you knock that? Um, first up win, she's just going to begin well, run. She's got pace to burn. If she if she keeps going and runs a figure like she did um, the other day, then good luck catching her. But I'm, I'm with you, Pete. I'm, I quite like Ginger Green. 
as well. Shock result, I think, was the horse that Ginger Green gunned down late in his trial win. Shock result came out and run second on debut at Belmont yesterday. So there's a bit of a, you can line up the form there. I think Ginger Green's the pick of the, the first starters, but really keen to see how Billy Ancilly goes. If we can get around the 370 mark, that'll that'll do me. Madam Toro, hardest to beat. Ginger Green, the best of the first starters. Race two is the Ascend Sales Trophy handicap over 1,300 metres. Uh, the very much hyped three-year-old Windstorm, who we've already discussed, he goes around at prohibitive odds. Winkers on, low draw, 54.5 kilos, eight-horse field. Just looks set up for another Cerise and White win, Michael. What what what, what do we make of, of this horse? And um, I guess, is everything else just in the running for second? I think so. He's coming up through the ranks very, very quickly. His first up performance was absolutely unreal. The, how slow they went in that race and his late splits to uh, almost reel in in the Pacific. He, although he was beaten as a $1.40 pop, he literally could not have ran any faster over the, uh, over the final stages of that race. First up, bit of a, uh, sorry, second up, a uh, bit of a funny race. Not mm. sure of the quality or the strength uh, coming out of that, but still uh, recorded a nice closing splits and these Cerise and White runners, especially when the winkers go on, Grants and Alana, they yeah. jump out of the ground when the winkers go on and their elevation race to race is uh, is limitless uh, usually. So I'm expecting him to get the job done and relatively comfortably. No worries. So if, if favourite out, who would you be, uh, who would you think is, uh, is going to run second, I suppose? Uh, I actually thought War God mm. was, uh, was over the odds, interestingly. Uh, a much better horse when able to lead. I'm not too sure if he'll um, be able to lead this race. I think Turbo Power probably jumps to the front. Military Ruler will be uh, keen to lead. But uh, War God's peak form uh, has, is very, very strong, stronger mm. than this field. He hasn't uh, drawn a gate for a couple of runs. He's had to go back, not really his go, and get some uh, pretty nice weight swings against some of his, his rivals from recent starts as well. So if he can lob one out, one back, I've had him as a clear second. He was the only other runner I had in single figures in this race. Military ruler, uh, nice return. I, I love the backup, as I said earlier, but resuming first up off 12 months, no trial, backing up seven days later, a bit of a query as well. Uh, now a rising nine-year-old, I'd be surprised if if he won the race. So Windstorm clearly on top and, and War Guard a clear second was was the way I saw it. What about you, Pete? Yeah, no argument here. Definitely Windstorm on top. I agree. War God, clear second. Mm. Probably the value, I agree. War God, if, if you'd want a better round, Windstorm. I can't get Windstorm as short as the market. I'm looking on now, it's a dollar twenty-two. Um, crazy price. I wouldn't be entertaining the price. I think it'll win, but mm. leave me out. War God, if you can get anywhere near even money a place about it, I'd be looking at that. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like we're all on the same page here. Windstorm, super duper short. I, I like what you touched on with the winkers there. Um, I noticed they whacked winkers and maybe a, a bit of um, mouth gear on um, showmanship. Um, from moving from first up to second up and he just he was electric when the winkers went on second up so um windstorm you're right there was a bit of a odd odd race that uh when he won second up uh, against the the older horses but he just did what he had to and obviously he had hit a class edge there but i expect the winkers to to really sharpen him right up and he could make a mess of these on saturday um and i'm in alignment with you guys so i reckon war gods are standout Standout second pick. 
Two starts ago, he was third behind Labor Rod and Festival Miss. That form reads pretty well against the likes of when you're lining him up against horses that are shorter than him in the market, Military Ruler, Nelson's Flight and Firemaker. So I'm with you guys there. I think War God is, um, is a standout second pick. I think the map's the key to him as well. Yeah. That He's a real map horse. Yeah, and there was there was actually a bit of – there was a few people wanting to tip him and there was a few people on him last start too, but he got back to last, um, passed a few – late but it was he was just never in the race it was just it was just um a bit of a non-event for him from that draw you're right from three he's gonna park up in in a suitable on pace running position and um and yeah like uh neville parnham chris parnham yeah it's uh for me he's the he's the standout second selection so we're in agreement there as we move on to race three it's the tab touch west speed platinum handicap over 1400 meters Pete the punter, what have you got for our listeners? Oh, nothing exciting here. I'm pretty much with the market. I like Zephyr Queen. Uh, 3.20 in the market at the moment is, is pretty close to what I got it. I got it at 3.30, a pun in an 80% market. So the race really seems to suit it. It's drawn to Chloe as a party with the claim. Racing well, was a super run last time, got run down by a good one in, in Western Pride, and I think it was a fair way back to third from memory. Yep. So um, very keen Zephyr Queen. The, the danger for mine is, is the Paul Harvey-ridden position of power. Just not sure quite where it gets to from the barrier. Um, so there's a little query there. Uh, it's fairly firm in the market at under $4, so I wouldn't be entertaining backing that at that price. I'm into Zephyr Queen from position of power. And then a fair way back, I've got horses like Locker in and Parisa, which I'm not interested in betting on. So for me, full steam ahead on Zephyr Queen. Yeah, it does look set up for her, doesn't it? Michael, Can you um, are you in the Zephyr Queen camp? Yeah, Zephyr Queen on top. She's racing super. I think she'll get conditions to suit. She'll be able to get her easy enough lead. Not too sure where position of power gets. Career best performance in my ratings last uh, time out, but I think he'll be three deep the trip and uh, beat the bell, huge win the other day, but probably settles last. Mm. Um, Bar Trader is an interesting one. I like dropping back to 1,400 metres, bit of an unfashionable galloper uh, coming from an unfashionable metro yard, probably gets under the, uh, the radar a bit, but I thought uh, only, only three starts ago, beating a head to Son of Bacchus in a 66 plus, and I think he's a better 1,400 metre horse and is one of the, the map winners here. Uh, Locker in, big step up for her. Parissa, very, very unlucky uh, last start, but steps up. But Parissa's run two starts ago was actually uh, quite good behind Tawny Pete. That was in a 66 plus in a, in a high rating race as well. So. Uh, a little bit open outside of Zephyr Queen, but I'm expecting Zephyr Queen to lead and be pretty hard to beat still. What were you thinking price-wise about Zephyr Queen? I had her 350 at 100% market, so um, yeah, under under my price at the moment, uh, based on yeah, based off the ratings that I had, but yeah. uh, still an on-top selection. Yeah, yeah. I've got Zephyr Queen super short. She's just about my best of the day. Last start, she... she there was a surprise leader in the race. I think it was Lickety Split, um, which meant that she sort of had to sit second, outside leader, did plenty of work, was just left a sitting duck for a class horse in Western Pride. But prior to that, when she found the rail in front at Belmont, she just she blew them away midweek. Chloe has a party on board to the tune of three and a half lengths. I, I think she's going to find the race, the, the rail in front again, control, kick away. I, I, yeah, I think she's just about she's just about my best of the day. I had her a two two sixty chance. I thought there was lots of horses in this just making up making up the numbers. Position of power, the obvious second pick. He um I just like the way that he really 
he had a bit against him last start, but he just kept kept surging surging to the line behind Captain King, um, who was able to dictate in front. But position of power was really strong late. Um, gives the impression he's looking for the 14 now. A bit like you, Pete, and Michael maps awkwardly. But David Harrison, Paul Harvey, when when they uh, when they run hot, they they they're a combination worth following and we saw a little bit of it last week from the Harrison Yard with Power of St George and Cryptic Love winning uh, Power of St George a good result for you Pete? It was actually yeah had a very good result on it for David it's previous and uh, had it had it much shorter than what the market did so very happy with that one. But the Harrison Yard are one of those yards though aren't they where, you, where once they hit a bit of form I think you can just follow the them stable wide there he's Pretty, very good trainer uh, in his own right. But when they when they run hot, geez, they, he can churn over the winners. And Harvey running hot too at the same time, as you say, he's yep. uh, he's reinforcement of that. Yep. Yeah. For me, Zephyr Queen, as I said, just about my best of the day. Scared of position of power, but that's probably the only, the only possible danger I would suggest. Like Michael, I'll be throwing. But I threw Bar Trader into my four. I like him back to the 14. He sort of was on speed in a race when he ran fourth um, midweek the other day. And the first three that finished in front of him all came from back. So I think he did well to, to box on from an on, on speed point of view. But for me, this race just looks set up sweetly for Jimmy Taylor, Chloe Party, and Zephyr Queen. All right. Race four, the Glenroy Chaff Handicap. Three-year-old contest over the 1,400 metres. And Pete um, alerted us to a very important scratching this morning, Pete. Uh, yes, I uh, was tuned into Tab Touch at 8 o'clock, just hopped into Massa oh, sorry, just hopped into Bright Diamond at the 260, and uh, one second later it drifted to 265 was the first thing that happened, so I got that price wrong. And then Massimo came out straight after, which was the horse I was opposing in the race. So took all the fun out of it. So yeah, Massimo out of uh, out of race four. Lizard it really a two-horse war, you'd think, between Bright Diamond and Levitate. Levitate was super last start. I thought Bright Diamond was very brave as well. Mm. Um, Bright Diamond was beaten by Mood Swings, which was a great result for me. Um, that was the Indian Pacific form. I think that's pretty strong. Uh, Levitate just failed to run down Indian Pacific also, so they kind of match up pretty well. I'm going with Bright Diamond. It's getting a fair chunk of weight off of Levitate, uh, three and a half kilos, or sorry, less of that with the with the claim for Chloe. Mm -hmm. But Bright Diamond, I think, probably has more upside to it than Levitate. I think Levitate was excellent last start, but what you see is what you get there, whereas Bright Diamond might still be improving. So I'm going to side with Bright Diamond in this from Levitate. Okay. So just from a, a bookie's and a punter's point of view, when there's a scratching like that, do you, ha do you have to go back and redo your whole market all over again? How, how, do, you, how do you adjust for like a significant chunk of the, of the percentage of the market just evaporating? Like what, what's, what's the process there? Well, I guess the same as how you would accommodate for it as well. Yeah. You take the horse out and, 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 and uh, just uh, recalculate your figures, but uh, barriers come into it. doesn't make much difference here in a, in a small field, but... Um, yeah, just take the horse out. Unfortunately for me, Massimo didn't take out a huge chunk of my market, okay, yeah. uh, which means that Tab Touch will take out a huge chunk of my my price. So I've left with a, probably a bet that I don't want. Yep. Okay. Michael, can can you can you see anything other than the 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 obvious two in Bright Diamond and Levitate fighting this one out? No, not now. I had Massimo clear second uh, prior to that huge dropping grade for him. He rated through the roof for my ratings. He's Contested exclusively 68 and 72 plus all age company and was dropping back to a three-year-old 
62 plus he'd backed up once and and won that race i think the 14 was up his alley as well but now that he's taken out uh bright diamond should get an even better run in transit not too sure who's back uh that she'll get in the run probably three e's now might be one one maybe bright diamond one two but levitate was a career best performance last time out uh i think that was something like 10 lengths above average it was a crazy uh tempo race or seven lengths above average or something along those lines so expecting him to uh be able to cross to the front probably puck a panel on their outside but two horse race mm. yeah I, it does look set up uh for bright diamond uh, i'm with pete i think some people might have thought she she was a bit disappointing last Saturday. I actually thought that was that yeah she she actually went up in in my ratings uh, for her effort last last week. She sort of got cluttered away when the three wide line formed, had to come back around, launched, and was just really attacking the line with strength. Even though it looked like it was you know in vain, she just sort of kept and kept coming and ran mood swings to to a neck. They went uh, horrendously slow last start as well, yeah. which didn't suit her. Should be more genuine speed here. Yeah, yeah. So I, th I think, and I think the 14 should be up early as well. Uh, looks a really progressive, progressive filly. Gets a nice weight swing on Levitate. Does Levitate lead now? Massimo's out. Is that what we're, what we're thinking? Yeah, I had Levitate leading anyhow. Yeah, okay. So yeah, Levitate with uh, Chloe as a party. He, he won't be, he'll be no, no pushover. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see how that eventuate because he's got a bit of class about him levitate he set out after indian pacific um bravely last night and just missed on the line um he's a real competitor so he'll make life difficult for for um bright diamond but the horse i wanted to to discuss is puckapunyal really have really really like this filly um bright diamond beat her fair and square first up i think she, uh, being a lindsey smith horse will come forward off that run 17 days into a second up run rising to 1400 meters no real knock on cjp would love to have seen harvey on this filly paul harvey on this filly but um cjp starting Clint Johnston Porter's starting to get his eye back in. I think Puckapanyal can can just um, make things quite interesting for Levitate and and Bright Diamond. I'm tipping Bright Diamond on top. Um, she's the obvious uh, selection. Um, Levitate, very smart horse in his own right, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Puckapanyal give this a real real shake. I think Puckapanyal's overplayed in the market at four dollars as it is at the moment. I thought. Bright Diamond came from behind it at that midweek, ran past it. I just can't see Puckapunyal turning the, the tables on Bright Diamond. Um, so my strong angle on the race would be that uh, Puckapunyal's at $4 is way too short. If I was fielding, I'd, that's the one I'd be taking on. Okay, same. All right, so it looks like the Cerise and White um, Brigade will continue on their merry way. Very, uh, very promising filly in Bright Diamond. Um, but still, there's, um, again, we, we're seeing some really gifted three-year-olds in our ranks this season michael we're quite blessed at the moment with some of the talent that's going around yeah it's been uh one of the stronger years three-year-old wise so uh, especially bob he just keeps tuning them out we, when you think he's got a, a star on his hands and he just keeps bringing one out of, out of the woodwork and it seems to be better than the previous one yeah that's Not right a bad position to be in is it that's right and you know we've got um the a graders like like kc but we've we've got a bunch of horses just below them in in your labor rods your red can mans jericho missiles you know even horses like indian pacific who just looks like a really he's just a crack 
sprinting three-year-old. There's a there's a whole host of them that are um, not necessarily all bobsaws. Even dig deep when he when he's right. Obviously, he's um, he's a he's a real talent. The red um, can man form looks pretty pretty strong now. To be see, he, he'd be a railway. Uh, that that'll be his aim this year. I'm assuming. Yeah, hopefully. I think I think. Um, I think we might be seeing Red Can Man soon um, in in one of the uh, feature winter sprints over the next month or six weeks. Um, he'll have a short campaign, from what I've led to believe, and then the, the target as a four-year-old um, getting in, perhaps getting in the railway on the minimum is probably the probably rating up. A yeah, so. probably the the race that um, the stable would be looking to target with with a horse like him. Um, but regardless, they're going to have a lot of fun. He's just a really really good horse and. Um, so it's, it's exciting that we've got – I mean, we did lose three, four, five of our um, smart three-year-olds to, to Hong Kong uh, recently, but it still looks like we've got a real depth of talent, which hopefully will progress into four-year-old in the new season and um, really fill up those, those ratings races and those group enlisted races with some, with some more talent. They've got deep pockets in Hong Kong, don't they? They sure do, yeah. Well, the Karakata plate when I'm a single man's off to Hong Kong and I imagine anything um, anything that's, that's sound uh, and, and showing a bit of talent will be um, the target of significant offers from, from Hong Kong. Um, so... Yeah, hopefully we can we can keep on to um, you know keep a critical mass of our our top end talent here in Western Australia for for us WA racing fans anyway. So moving on, race number five is our feature of the day: the Han Super Dry Strickland Stakes, the third leg of the uh, or the fourth leg rather of the Wait for Age Winter Series. Um, Looks like uh, the Cerise and White versus Impressive Racing on paper, doesn't it, Michael? Yeah, sure does. I think uh, both of uh, the Cerise and White runners were hitting the markets. I'm just getting it back up now. I did see a market go up yesterday. Yes, yeah, Perfect Jewel 320 and Mississippi Delta 340. The Velvet King also 340 and Gatting at 850. I had uh, Mississippi Delta on top. Nothing. Perfect Jewel hasn't done anything wrong at all. I think uh, she's a mare that clearly uh, excels in, in the wet going. Not sure if the track will be as wet uh, this Saturday, but I think Mississippi Delta will have a, a map advantage and more importantly gets out to the 2,000 metres. I think third up, this would have been the race that they would have targeted uh, for her. I think she has more upside than probably the more better suited weight for age horses in the race, uh, like the Gaddings and Material Mans. They're out and out weight for age horses, but I think uh, Mississippi Delta would have been set for this and is a winner with the map, winner with the distance. Pike, um, happy to go her way to uh, end Perfect Jewel's winning streak. So what do we do with the Velvet King? He's missed the start. The last couple been gunned down late by Perfect Jewel. I, I suppose the beauty of the rising to his first crack at 2,000 metres is easy, even if he does miss the start in this nine-horse field that he's going to have time to work forward and take up the front-running duties without without burning too much fuel, you would have thought? Yeah, still thought he had his chance last start despite missing. Uh, he obviously was slow out by a length or so, but had a pretty favourable run in transit and I thought he was beaten well on his merits and 1,600 metres, in my opinion, is probably at his limit. So although they're not going to go overly quick here, 2,000 metres is a bit of a query, especially when you have genuine staying weight for age horses camped on his back. I'd be uh, pretty happy to take him on at the $3.40 if, if I was bookmaking. So the, the other of the impressive racing duo, Gatting, was he just too bad to be true the other day, Pete? Or what, what, do, what do we make of that performance? He, he ran second in this race last year to Galaxy Star. He did run last at Belmont 
uh, in a five horse field before going to Flemington the next start and winning a group one. So he is the he is the kind of horse who can who you can never really discard or, or dismiss or underestimate, Pete. That fifth of five was uh, Lee Newman inspired, I think, so we can overlook that run. Um, in terms of these top... He got laid. <laughs> in terms of these top horses, Humidor, Getting, Material Man and even Taxigano, I've, I've given up on them. I've been mm. waiting for them to improve through this Wait for Age series and that is haven't. Um, Humidor, eighth, Getting, tenth, Material Man, eleventh, Taxigano, ninth. I'm really starting to think they're just making up numbers here. I know they're getting out to 2,000 metres, which will suit them better, but they haven't fired a shot yet and, and I've given up on them. I think this becomes pretty simple now. The, the field's fallen away a bit. There's only nine starters. The Velvet King gets a soft lead, but he's questionable at the 2,000. He may or may not run it, but to my eye, Perfect Jewel is running down twice, it ran it down easier the second time than it did the first. It's out to 2,000, which will suit it. It's still at weight for age. The horse is in form. It's seven from 21. It's won three group, three races from its last four starts. I just don't see why it doesn't win again. And uh, 3.30 or 3.20, I think you're getting pretty good value for money. Mississippi Delta might be the danger getting out to 2,000, the Perth Cup winner. I'm just not convinced yet that she's a genuine wait for age star. I mean, Perfect Jewel is, she's done it several times. Um, I'm very much in the corner of Perfect Jewel to make it a three in a row. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Pete here. I, uh, I just couldn't map Perfect Jewel to to chat to challenge velvet king um in the hyperion stakes the other day but uh i think she was the only horse to win all day from that uh from the second half of the field let well, alone from near last we spoke about it last bit which is wasn't an incredible performance incredible ride and just the way that everything just unfolded for patty carberry and perfect jewel but still she still had to have the the engine underneath her to be able to take advantage of the of the favors that came her way and as you said, Velvet King didn't have, didn't have to go around a horse. Like he has won a Northerly Stakes from the box seat, so it's not like he has to lead yep. to win. The place so, to be on the day. Yeah, so he, I mean, leader rolled off. He's got the run. Perfect jewel, as Pete said, sort of hunted him down, didn't she? So um, I, I think both Perfect Jewel and Paddy Carberry are in the zone at the moment. Yeah, they just yeah yeah yeah. No, I, I, mares in form. I actually think that Perfect Jewel's best is you know. I mean, she ran fourth. We were talking off air earlier. Like she ran fourth in a railway behind Galaxy Star a couple of years ago. And it was almost the run of the race. Like and twenty one hundred meters at weight for age, she was placed behind Galaxy Star and Gadding in a um, Cox Stakes a couple of years ago. So she's she's got weight for age form over a middle distance. She has she has actually competed in a Perth Cup. So I don't see the distance being being an issue. I think she's actually got a slight class edge on Mississippi Delta. Um, that's my personal point of view um absolutely flying loves belmont loves the wet i think she's gonna she's gonna patty carberry is just riding her so well she's gonna be ridden patiently get the last crack at him again good luck holding her out i think pete i'm with you price wise reckon she's about right um i think uh yeah i think perfect jewels yeah gonna make it three straight okay it's first leg of the late quaddy time race six the schweppes handicap over 1600 meters Mitchell Pateman has built up a really good association with uh, a horse by the name of Costa del Santo. Get back, run on type. He's got, he's got a, 
He's got a big finishing burst on him, this fellow. Huge run when second to Serenity Bay when unsuited on the day, I would have thought. Last start, steps back up to the mile, which he was victorious over two starts ago, is Costa Del Santo. Currently around the 350, 380 favoritism at the moment. Is he the way you're looking, Michael, or you got something else? No, I actually sided with uh, Sublime Image second up. Costa Del Santo, uh, racing in career best form and was probably the run of the meeting last time out but just from a map perspective and uh sublime image although quite plain in uh in the same race first up i just think the elevation second up with uh with pike uh going on and the previous preparation that 66 plus win from near last was was really uh really impressive and yeah the ratings from that race are superior to anything else in that this field has produced. So from a, a map um, advantage, a rising distance advantage, a second up advantage and a pike <laughs> advantage, pike I think yeah. the $5 at the moment. I had it priced almost each way of the field, but uh, I had Sublime Image uh, a bit shorter than the $5 at the moment. So I think that's each way all day. And Costa Del Santo, a clear second, no knock on him whatsoever. It's purely a map, uh, a map perspective. And I think there's more upside in Sublime Image at the moment. And uh, from there, I think I was uh, with no apology. I'm just a bit unsure coming out of that gut busting run last time out. It was a very um high pressure race last week backing up seven days later but he's a bit of a dropping grade and he is a map winner as well but at the each way price i'm happy to go with sublime image your uh, one of your uh jockeys on your roster alan kennedy has a nice ride in skinning tin skin and tins she's tough mare racing well on the quick backup after placing behind son of a god over 1200 last week yeah, yeah never seems to have uh, much much luck skin and tin she's Never seems to draw a gate, and she drew a gate two starts ago and was three deep punch in the breeze the trip mm. and still ran a, a nice fourth. Um, backs up off seven days here up to a mile. I thought uh, up to the mile she could probably slide across to settle outside the lead, uh, probably the only real spot for her, maybe tuck in behind if if something else was to take up that position. And she's always thereabouts, but uh, in my rating she uh, she wasn't comparable to a sublime image or a, or a Costa del Santo still. Okay, so uh, the Cerise and White, Pike, and Adam Durant this time, sublime image for Michael. Porfurio, I should have mentioned as well, had the best last start rating, but uh, probably settles a long way back or, or wide the trip. Horse that uh, has settled handy previously, but I don't think we'll be able to from that draw and we'll be spotting horses like sublime image and Costa del Santo a head start. Mm, okay. Pete, what, how do you view the first leg of the late queen? I'm not as strongly as opinionated as Michael here. Mm. This is a really open first leg of the quaddy. I'll be going extremely wide, probably take the first eight in, in, in the numbers for the, for the quaddy. Um, I'm going to pick the Cerise and White, but I'm going to go for the other one, Sentimental Gift. It's uh, had three trials, so it's been, it should be fairly fit for its first up assignment. It's drawn two. It's got Lucky Lactar getting a, <laughs> getting a claim. So if he can uh, utilise the rail, perhaps, uh, rail this could be right in the... Mm. That's it. Uh, he's had nine starts, never missed a place, sentimental gift. So um, at the at the $10 each way, I think it's a good each way bet, uh, but it's in a race that I don't have a strong opinion of and uh, won't be playing very heavily at all. Yeah, it's interesting where the speed's going to come from too, Michael. Like I, I'm thinking a horse like uh, Ryan Hill and a horse like Plead the Fifth might push forward from a from a high draw and, and look to work forward. Um, other than that, there doesn't really look to be – a designated leader yeah diamond race. sneak up to a mile could be one that they might want to go forward with but skin and tins and, and plead the fifth yeah it doesn't appear to be a 
a great deal of tempo. That's why I thought Costa del Santo might have been a bit thin as well. Probably would prefer a bit more tempo on, but sublime image you would. I had uh, the horse settling about one out, two back, um, smothered up midfield and off only a moderate tempo, I think uh, she'd be able to outsprint them. I thought Diamond Tanakh was an interesting runner in this mm. race because of the speed map. Um, it's played the fifth, I can see it coming across from out wide, but other than that, I couldn't find a lot of speed in the race at all. And Diamond Tanakh has, has gone forward in the past. If it was to get a cheeky lead with Chloe getting a claim, it, it might just run a bit of a cheeky race out in front, I thought. Yeah, yeah. it'd been drawing wide over 1,300 metres, now steps up to a mile, third up, drawn one. I'd be surprised if it wasn't positive tactics. Yeah, that's why I thought they might look to go forward with Perfirio if, if, um, from that draw. But you're right, if, even if... Dropping she, back from 2,100. Yeah, even if she does go forward, it might might be a three-wide no-cover. But that doesn't seem to be stopping the Brett Pope no. runners at the moment. They seem to be going quite well. He had an eye-catcher at uh, Belmont yesterday, which is on my um, horses to follow list for later in the show. But um, but for me, I'm, um, I found it really hard to look past Costa del Santo. He's, um, he's just got... Uh, some real weapons, this horse. Uh, only a four-year-old, um, uh, taking a real leap forward this campaign, winner at Pinjarra. Um, then, he, then he probably should have won at Pinjarra. Then he come to town, he knocked off Tollman in um, over this track and distance on a, on a soft seven, coming from, from near last to get the job done. Chased home a smart one in Serenity Bay last start against the pattern of the day. Uh, again, Mitchell Pateman's just going to have to take his medicine, go back from, from gate nine at the moment, ride impatiently, pick his way through the field. Uh, there is always with these type of horses, there is the, um, the, the traffic, potential traffic issues that he could encounter. Uh, but Mitchell Pateman rides this horse really well. He's got the turn of foot to get himself out of a jam. If he's close enough to Sublime Image on straightening, I think he's got the closing speed to get over the top of Sublime Image, who does look like the um, obvious hardest to beat. Uh, Pike on maps ideally. You're right, that first up run was a bit plain, but Pro Consent was in the, the same race. I think he finished sixth in that race. Uh, similar similar finishing positions, similar sort of efforts. Um, it's a in, messy type of race, Yeah, wasn't it? it was a funny old race. And um, anyway, Pro Consent come out and ran his heart out behind Power of St. George last Saturday. So they sort of finished alongside each other. Natural elevation, uh, second up, uh, good draw, as I said. Ticks plenty of boxes, does sublime, sublime image. And then for me, the third... Third cab off the rank is Perfirio. It was in my horses to follow last week. It was just absolutely massive, wide throughout, over 2,100 metres last start. If they push forward and she could even – if she ends up – if Bo Banovic Edwards ends up maybe outside leader or something like that, tough horse, Perfirio um, could, could box on, but then again will probably be left susceptible to the horses with closing speed like Costa del Santo and Sublime Image. But for me, I'm pretty keen Costa del Santo. He'll be getting back, charging, swooping late. Eurasia also came out of that Serenity Bay race and uh, ran third, beating a length and a half to Chantrey yesterday as well. So both runners to have come out of there have performed well. And speaking of Chantrey, uh, what's she now? Four from four. Uh, that's the Lindsay Smith trained filly. What do you make of her, Pete? Can she, could she go to a Belmont Oaks uh, next start and, I don't know, challenge? Yeah, I'm not sure what's heading that way. Mm. Um, she's four from four, probably inflates her a little bit, to yep. be honest. I think the first three, she didn't beat much. She looked pretty good yesterday. Mm. I have no strong opinion. Yeah. Well, I guess she'll be taking on the likes of KC, Canvas, Karajini Aurora. Historically, you don't have to be a world beater to win a Belmont Oaks. Obviously, we have a Group 1 winner in KC this year, but 
I think uh, Chantre would be as good as the rest. Yeah, yeah, really, really nice filly. Interesting she moved from the Team Williams to Lindsay Smith, but hasn't taken a backward step. Two from two for Smith this prep. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see how she measures up against the um, classy fillies, including uh, superstar um, KC in the Belmont Oaks moving forward. Okay, race seven on the card is the Amelia Park Handicap. <sighs> thousand meters i might throw to michael heaton here the uh dan and ben pierce the pierce brothers have the very short price favorite essential spice resuming first up looks a really nice option for this uh four-year-old man the wizard pike on board yes it sure does she's built up a great record essential spice you know what you get with her and loves a soft track loves belmont loves the thousand meters uh trial was only uh was it was it was a quiet trial wasn't knocked around at all but the track was quite chopped up that day uh pikey was still very happy she came through she has come through uh all of that quite well my biggest concern here though is if barricade beats ends up box seating mm. and essential spice is three back the fence we know what barricade beats does at around the 600 every start he'll be waving the white flag and going back at the rate of knots so if he <laughs> happens to fall back into essential spices uh lap then that could prove to be uh well it could prove to be a bit of a disaster really but outside of that with even luck i think she has the most upside in this race really came of age uh well her last two preparations really so uh, i think that only the bad luck should see her get beat but at the odds on quote i'm certainly not willing to hop in there that was shorter than what i had her especially with those map what were you thinking price wise i had a 260 at a at 100% market so at, I think even money it's yeah it's it's too short uh too short for my liking so can you offer offer the listeners anything if they want to play around the uh the even money fave I actually thought super maxi could be a big improver here it was pretty plain last time out but I thought he could uh lead this race third up dropping back from 1200 to a thousand meters he's not the same horse as what he was historically he's got clearly the best uh, ratings in this in this field and he's not what he was we know that but I think if he uh, on the soft track thousand meters if he can jump to the front and especially if there are a few traffic issues there uh, Sean O'Donnell jumping on as well is uh, is always a pretty good thing for jumping on a first-time horse uh, Lockroy 63 kilos drawn wide probably likely to go back or have to do it tough three deep so uh, yeah, I just thought Super Maxi might get conditions to suit and at around, I think, double figures could probably be the value in the race. Okay. All right. So Pete McCormick is, uh, has a share in Flow, number, the saddlecloth number two in this race. Are we, uh, are we making a case for Flow? I actually thought there was plenty of merit in that first up run the other day. What, what, what were your thoughts on, on the Martin Allen train Flow? I think it did as much as we expected it to yep. first up. And to be honest, we're not expecting a lot tomorrow. Flo's not a, sorry, on Saturday. Flo's not really a thousand metre horse um, drawn out. Um, I think he might be run off his feet a little bit. So look to him to improve as the campaign goes on, is what I'd say about Flo. Um, in terms of essential spice, really classy mare. But yeah, so like Michael, I just think essential spice is a little bit short at the $1.95 as it, as it currently is. 
I've got it a three-horse race, but different horses to what Michael had. I, I quite like Fire and Rain and, and Night Voyage at the prices. Fire and Rain surprised me last start. I thought maybe he was almost a spent commodity, but he rated really well for me in that cryptic love race, as did Night Voyage, who was desperately unlucky until late getting a run. And a horse that has a lot of upside, it won't know itself with 55. It's been carrying massive weights in lower grades. And I just think the step up in grade and, and the weight relief is really going to suit this horse with Chris Parnham going on. I'm quite keen on Night Voyage and Fire and Rain at the prices, maybe to top all essential spice first up, who, although uh, it was given a quiet trial last time, I thought it was a bit plain in that trial and, and had her best. She'd probably round these up, these up and beat them quite easily. But um, I'm willing to take her on first up. And look, if she returns as good as she was, I'll cop it on the chin. But at the prices, I'll be betting around her with Fire and Rain and Night Voyage. What was your what was your uh, favourite price there on your eighty percent market for essential spice? Pay? Well, I'm almost too embarrassed to say it's yeah. a little bit longer than what the market is. I've, yeah. I've got a, I've got actually got um, Night Voyage on top at five dollars, essential spice at five fifty, and Fire and Rain at five fifty also. So taking a bit of a set, set against uh, essential spice first up. As I say, if she proves me wrong and comes out and does it, I'll, I won't be overly surprised, and I'll cop it on the chin. But I'm taking the value betting around her. Okay, so yeah, I um. Uh, she adds essential spice, as we've discussed. Uh, both men have just discussed already. Stands out as the horse to beat, doesn't she? She's Belmont specialist, thousand meter horse. Uh, loves loves a wet track. I think what Michael alluded to, traffic issues, is probably the only thing that's gonna really um, impact her significantly. But she's got the right man on for the job, William Pike uh, from one. Um, I thought, I thought the Pierce Brothers stable was really, really like hit their straps recently. I don't know what the stats have been like, Mike. Will you be able to tell me that? But it just feels like they're, 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 um, training a lot more, a lot more winners and, um, the, the, the team just has a bit of a, bit more of a spring in their step. And the stable does have uh, a knack of having them wound up ready to go fresh. So this, Ticks a lot of boxes. I was a 240 essential spice in my 100% market, so uh, uh, well under mine as it pre presently stands. Pete, Pete alluded to $1.95. There's a little bit of 210 around at the moment, but um, I, sus I don't suspect I'll see the, the 240. Michael spoke about the Gan Ganjimi runner, Super Maxi. They've got, they've got three runners in this race, and the one that hasn't got a mention so far is Saraceno. I wouldn't be surprised to see Saraceno run a huge race First up, he um, he's, he ran some really good races last prep, ran third in a scenic blast behind Cup Night, was was really unlucky actually. Second in a Mungrup stud sprint. Trialed well down the um, back straight at Lark Hill on uh, the 15th of June. The, uh, can, it's hard can, to catch. Hard to catch, can push forward, um, very hard to catch, can push forward from, from the draw. I thought uh, was at risk of being caught three deep from 12. It's yeah. super maxi and fire and rain drawn underneath. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if that would necessarily worry him too much, but yeah, that's that's the danger. I just thought at the prices, he he actually came up as my my second pick. I just really took a line through that that cup night performance at Ascot last time before his spell. I thought his trial was good. I could see him running a, the best of him, running a big race. Uh, I think he's had some really strong form around Essential Spice last prep when she was when she was winning um, in this type of company. So that's for me. And like Pete, I thought Night Voyage was desperately unlucky last Saturday, held up 
held up, held up. Um, that was two starts in a row now. He's been held up in the straight. Just needs just absolutely breathing fire. This horse just needs a clear crack at him, and he'll he'll give this a shake. And fire and rain made my top four as well. He um, the best of fire and rain is is quite good. Last up, um, second placing, ran into a red hot cryptic love last Saturday. Um, he's going to get his chance up on top of the speed. I thought the I feel as though the Paul Jordan stable has turned a corner recently as well. Craig Staple, stable rider on board. But yeah, for me, I think it's this race is set up really nicely for Central Spice. Traffic, the only concern. But I, I do not mind Saracino at a price. Um, could be mad too later in the podcast. Uh, I love the way Lockroy trialled as well. Mm. I think I, it might be a fortnight until the Bowfine over 1,000 metres. I think that's uh, that it would be his main aim probably not his race on saturday interesting that jared's jumped off super maxi to ride lockroy at 63 kilos as well i think the horse is going super judging by his uh his trial uh loves the way night voyage is going as well mm. he was actually my follow after his first up run i'm just a bit of a query in this grade and fire and fire and rain that are my only two queries in this type of company for mm. those two horses is especially fire and rain a horse that's bled both nostrils now fourth up backing off seven days uh, just a couple of things up in grey, which I wasn't uh, a big fan of, but take out Essential Spice, and I think it's a pretty open race. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, we'll see how uh, the Flying Mare Essential Spice returns first up on Saturday. Very short, but does look uh, set up sweetly for her um, to kick off her campaign in style. Race eight is the Crown Perth Handicap, another thousand metre contest. We've already spoken at length regarding David Harrison. Paul Harvey, Pete, are you on the are you in the Silken Eyes camp? First up, uh, yes and no. I've got Silken Eyes on top. Yeah, uh, I do love the fact that Harvey's on it. The barrier, the trial was great. Nothing I don't like about Silken Eyes except the price. Uh, I want something a little bit better than the three fifty that's currently on offer. I've got Silken Eyes on top of False Statement, which is also going very well. Mm. Um, it's a clear first, second for me. I've then gone down to End of an Era, which I thought was pretty good. And seems to have a bit of upside about it. I've got it for third and then devoted star, who I'm a little bit not sure about it. When it won at Bunbury, it exploded to the lead, but after that, it's been a little bit ordinary. So that's in the too hard basket for me at the moment. So no bet for me really this race, but I'll be having a good look at the end of an era. And if I get a bit of a price about that, then that might be a little speck in the race, but not a race that I'll be too invested in. What, were you th- what, what would get you interested in a horse like Silken Eyes, Pete? I want a fair bit better than that. I've got it marked $5. Okay. And false statement? False statement, I'm 650. So it, about, actually, I see it's 650 yeah. on sports better at the moment. So, yeah, I might, might have a little tickle on that if I can get a little bit better. And certainly, I'll be watching Betfair during betting proper. Okay, yeah. Pretty, pretty smart three year old, this fellow, Silken Eyes. He's got some real closing speed on him. Uh, trolled up really nicely, like you, 2nd of June. Is that the way you felt, Michael? Yeah, he, and that's who I, he's who I'm most keen on for the meeting. But pretty much echo everything Pete said. It's just the price that I'd like a bit more. I've got him $3 uh, with 100% market. So with, I only bet with if there's a 10% overlay. So uh, 420, 440 is what I'd need to get involved. But he's an out and out fresh horse. So I think the 1,000 metres will suit. Loved the trial. And there's a stack of speed here. There's an abundance. There's probably four or five horses who, uh, who could potentially lead this race. And I can just see Silken Eyes getting smothered up. Some of his best performances are when there's been a red hot tempo and finishing strong. Uh, for an informed camp and I had false statement second as well uh, 
super win first up last time out. I think Bo got the whip caught up in the reins and was still a really good run. The fastest 400 and 200 of the meeting. Maps well here, one out, one back. Well, one that I thought might be for my Maddie territory might be uh, round the point for from the Steve Wolfyard. 35 days between runs here, drops back from 1,200 to 1,000. I thought could slide across to settle um, somewhere close to the speed and, and give a bit of a side if, if it could get across. I think $21 I saw go up somewhere before, but on a day where it's pretty hard to find some value, that's probably the way I'll go for my Maddie selection later on. Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty keen on Silken Eyes as well. You've got a bit of X Factor, this horse. Um, has rattled, has rattled off some some pretty strong performances um, and even competed against some some smart types, including Massimo, last preparation. Always looked like he was going to be a horse who would continue to emerge later in his three-year-old, earlier in his four-year-old season. David Harrison has a bit of a sense of timing with him at the moment. Just glided to the line um, behind Prophet Street in his lead-up trial at Lark Hill. Uh, gate two, over a 1,000, um, there were similar uh, concerns with uh, Paul Harvey and Cryptic Love from a similar draw over a thousand last week, but he seemed to handle that expertly. The Pontiff, I, I just think that Silken Eyes will be will do no work early, um, just just sort of chasing chasing the pack in a way. If the gaps or any clear run, uh, running falls into his lap in the straight, I just think he's just going to explode. False statement, obviously, as as the lads alluded to already. Very nice sprinting type in the making. He's only a four-year-old. Um, first up win was exceptional under Maddie Derrick, who um, making a habit of coming under the arches, isn't she? <laughs> isn't she, Pete? Flower of Scotland again yesterday. Uh, sailed basically down the outside rail um, and won uh, three straight. Um, so, yeah, one first up for Maddie Derrick. Um, then, as Michael said, Bo Banovic Edwards sort of gave... False statement gave her a bit of a bit of a hard ride last start, but still managed to rattle off some pretty sizzling splits late. Very nice uh, horse in the making. One of Terry Terry Layton's favourites, actually. False statement. So be interested to see if the Guru will be getting involved with him on Saturday. And then, of course, it's hard to look past anything wearing Cerise and White at the moment. Devoted Star will get back to last with, I imagine, or backish with uh, William Pike from the outside draw. That's my set against her. Yeah. Has some pretty pretty significant closing speed in her own right. Pete mentioned the day that she won on she won at Bunbury. It was pretty electric. If she's within a striking striking distance, she can launch, make things very interesting late. I just think that Silken Eyes might might have her her covered fresh on the day. I'm pretty keen on Silken Eyes here, and the other horse who I'd just like to throw in, who, who if you're taking trifectas and and first fours, is a horse by the name of Pure Dynamite. Flies fresh, good draw, nice trial, thousand meter type. Um, it's going to going to get plenty of favours, I would imagine, in the run. Tough sort of Neville Parnham type. He can run into third or fourth, and and um, maybe add a add a bit of bit of value to to those exotics. So that's the, so. But for me, just recapping, Silken Eyes. I I was I was looking for three dollars at a hundred percent market. I was pretty keen on him. Um, so. He's three, the 350 sports bet at the moment is, um, is about right for me. So Silken Eyes on top. Rebel Yell is a bit of an interesting runner as well with uh, usually flies fresh and second up. Uh, on Saturday, I was quite disappointed with how he went first up. 
he, I think he'd won three out of four races first up. All his wins have been first or second up, but pretty plain the other day. But he is a horse that's uh, maps better this time out. And he finished second to Caracapo in a 72 plus 1200 last preparation. And now he's in a one Metro win, 60 plus thousand. And he does go well fresh, 21 days between runs. So perhaps one that could get under the guard as well. Excellent. Yes, he did run some cracking races at Ascot, didn't he, over the spring summer? So, um, okay. Moving on, it's that it is that time of the podcast, listeners. It's Get Out Steaks time. Get Out Steaks is uh, sponsored by the largest retail butcher shop in Perth in Market City Meats. They are located at the Canningvale Markets on Bannister Road. Timmy Hewitt runs the show out there. Drop in and say good day. Let him know you're a one-one listener. He'll he'll look after you. Now, the Market City Meats Get Out Steaks competition. Very simple, Twitter-based. So what you do is send us who you think will win race nine at Belmont on Saturday and a decimal winning margin. Unfortunately, last week uh, we had two, we had a dead heat. There was um, two fellows who selected Cryptic Love by length. That was Nathan Bennett and Sam White. Unfortunately, there can only be one winner. So we used a- One sausage each. Yeah, we used a a toss of the coin to determine the winner and uh, Nathan Bennett come out on top. Now. As a result of that, we've had a review into the way that this competition is being conducted. So from now on, if there's a dead heat, the winner of the Get Out Stakes will be the person who lodges their entries first. And we think that is the fairest way to conduct this competition. Thanks to Sam White for pointing that out to us. Um, but yes, we, uh, I, I agree and Terry agrees that that is the, moving forward, that's the fairest way we can determine the result of a dead heat. Who posted it first out of Nathan and Sam White posted first. So this might end up being called the Sam White rule. So um, apologies, Sam, but um, uh, we'll we'll look after you moving forward, especially when our 1-1 merchandise uh, lands in the next few weeks. So just recapping, send us a tweet at the 1-1 pod, who you think will win the last race at Belmont on Saturday, a decimal winning margin, and you'll be in the running for a gourmet beef package from the largest retail butcher shop in Perth, Market City Meats. Now, this is a great race to, to finish the day from a get out stakes point of view. It is a raffle. Pete, the staying races seem to be your bread and butter, don't they? What? <laughs> As you know, I despise staying races. And, and if you look at the form in this race, you can clearly see why I despise them. Picture perfect wins and gets backed into 225, wins like a good thing, and then gets beaten four lengths next start, seventh of 14, dark choice, 11th, two starts ago, Kiora Star runs 13th and then runs a blinder for second and I could go on and on through the field. These horses are so inconsistent and it is so infuriating trying to line them up. And then you and then you throw in a, uh, a horse like uh, Bow Count and it just uh, changes everything all over again, doesn't it? Actually, Bow Count's not a bad addition yeah. to the race because at least you know what he's going to do. This is his do you race. Know, do you well, know? he'll go forward for sure okay. and I, I think he'll lead this and I think he'll give a bit of cheek in front. But yeah. I'm not quite sure that he'll be winning the race, but at least you can see what he's going to try and do, whereas some of these others, they just do my head in looking at them. So <laughs> I spent 45 minutes doing it, and then I decided to use my 30-second way of assessing staying races in Perth. And it's actually, a, I think, a very profitable way of doing it. Whenever you get a full stakes Saturday staying race in Perth, what you do is you cross out every horse that isn't trained by Justin Warwick or Adam Durant, <laughs> and then you back whatever's left. Now, I've also got a few layers to this. If the horse happens to be owned by the trainer, you double your stakes. <laughs> and if it's earned less than a quarter of a million dollars in stakes, then you have another unit on it as well. Because Justin Warwick, Adam Durant, when they own these stays, 
They always win more than a quarter of a million dollars over their career. They just overperform so much that it's actually not a bad system to invoke. So if you're at the races and you come to a staying race, you don't know what to do. Oh, it's not a bad system just to do. Just cross out every other runner other than the Durant and Warwick runners and load up on those. And in this race, you come up with Volkswagen Frank at $21 and I'm more than happy to go that way. Mm. Paul Harvey as well. My man, yes. He and Justin Warwick have um, really uh, combined very impressively recently. I think uh, since Lucy Warwick hurt herself, she hurt her ankle, I believe. Um, and she'll be on the sidelines for a while. But Paul Harvey is deputising while Lucy is uh, is out of action. And, geez, they've um, managed to knock up a few wins together, the Pontiff and JT Warwick. Now, Michael, what do you think? I know you're not a huge fan of the staying races as well. But uh, you've done the form. Understatement. What, what, what can you? What can you? Can you throw the listeners a bone in the get out stakes? Yes. Well, I categorically don't do staying races. But at a having a, a look through it last night, I gun to my head. I'd be going with Kiora Star uh, each way. I think there's ten dollars around, and uh, was great ride by Kira, not Kyra, last time <laughs> out. And uh, maps better from a better draw here. Clocked the fastest cut, closing two hundred meters. Uh, was a really good run up to the 2,000 metres. Here, Maps better, drops back from a 72 to a 66 plus. Actually comes out of the same race as Volkswagen Frank. Uh, and prior to that, Volkswagen Frank, fourth to freeze them off in that hot Saturday race as well. Uh, this is the 78 plus, so could certainly make a case for Volkswagen Frank there. And I think that form, Noir de Rue lines up in the Strickland Stakes, but yeah, no strong opinion here what whatsoever. About, uh, what about the Pierce Brothers, Roman Flirts, won four in a row comes to steps up in grade no William Pike um, what is what do you what do you think what does the cam think about her measuring up to this grade yeah nice mare but been a, somewhat of a surprise though this preparation I think she's been really well placed every uh, every race she's been in and uh, and she's got the job done accordingly but she had a bit uh, added a different string to her bow last time out it, we had her pegged as a, a free rolling sort of one pace type and uh pikey held her up last time out and she showed a really good turn of foot late and he feels that that would be uh she'd be better suited ridden like that horses up in grade and never my go but one thing with the staying races you can get away with it coming up from midweek grade to saturday to saturday grade in staying events a lot harder to do in your thousand to twelve hundred meter races so certainly wouldn't surprise me to see her win but couldn't entertain her at the price. Couldn't, well, to be honest, I couldn't attain any stayer at, at a price, so uh, couldn't steer you into it. Yeah, but, I actually, uh, but she's I actually a nice thought, on the rise. Yeah, I actually thought she would come up almost double that. To be honest, I'm yep. surprised. She's. Um, I thought without Pike that the market would sort of push her. Surprise if she doesn't drift significantly. Yeah, yeah. So, so when you say she's been a bit of a surprise pack, it took her a while to crack it for that first win, and then Pike goes on, and all of a sudden, bang, 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 bang. Um, he does make a difference, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, certainly. And she was a bit of a slow maturing type and she had some soundness issues. But like this preparation, she's been fine. She was a really good run first up. I think uh, I think Joey or someone might have ridden her and she was three late the trip, ran fourth over unsuitable 1,200 right, metres and she yeah, was yeah. always going to be better um, up in trip. And then I think she stepped to a 14, which is probably a touch too short, ran second. And since she stepped up to a mile, as well as having Pike on, she's really come of age and uh an improving type and a nice type as well a bit of scope to her so certainly wouldn't surprise me to pick up uh if she could pick up some winter saturday staying races 
Now, uh, one of your hoops, Alan Kennedy, rides British Bessie. She's been one of my favourites for a while, British Bessie, but she she put in a shocker last night. Was there, was there any anything to come of, of that performance? Was it too bad to be true? I don't think Sharon Miller would be bringing her back to the races 14 days later if there was anything amiss with her, obviously. Yeah, uh, she's back on track apparently. I think something happened at the start which put her off her game and it was all over from there on, but too bad to be true. I think she was beaten 18 lengths or something along those lines and uh on that day nothing really made up ground besides perfect jewel but uh, i think 72 back to a 66 plus drawn nicely and soft track should suit and uh, sharon said the other day that she is back on track so uh there might have been something amiss after that run but like you say i don't think she'd be back at the races if she wasn't right but still i would like to see her uh produce something before uh, before the wraps are warranted i think yep yeah, she's a Dick Turpin after all, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. So, so your your final assessment of the last Kia or a star, Kia or a star, each way at ten dollars. Kia or a Kia star, or a star with uh, Kira Yule in the saddle for the Michael Lane camp. Yeah, I um, I've I changed my mind about five times when I was doing the form for this race last night, and um, you know, I initially I had Volkswagen Frank on top, like um, like Pete. Had Divine Shadow on top, shuffled shuffled the decks, ended up going back to Roman Fleur. I like what you said in your in your analysis there, Michael. I thought I saw something a bit different from her last start because on the turn I thought, oh, hang on, this is uh, she's this, in trouble. Yeah, in trouble. And then not only did she get herself out of trouble, but was drawing clear, yeah. w- really quite dominant late. Um, didn't beat a lot, but um, was a was just. Yeah, it was just something different. Whereas the start before, she never went around a horse. They all rolled off. Pikey stayed to the fence and she won comfortably. But it was a little bit of something a bit different from this mare, Roman Fleur. Uh, mare in form, comes to town. Um, I don't think it loses a lot with with Chris Parnham on board. Um, I, I was happy to take the take the um, risk with her rising in grade. I, I can't get anywhere near that price. So I, I thought she was a $8 chance myself. So hoping, as Michael suggested, she might um, ease out in the market. Market forces might see her end up um, out near my price, closer closer to start time. Uh, as I said, other than that, I think Div- Divine Shadow probably should have won his last three. He's been absolutely massive in defeat. Drawn, drawn horrendously again. Probably, you know, probably ends up three wide again if if it's three wide no cover probably can't win three wide with the cover it's got to be got to be in the mix i um geez he just deserves deserves to win one of these races and they do take him in turns volkswagen frank like like everything i liked everything what pete said and that's the way that i was coming around to it and then obviously it's the the two peters runners which will be well found by the market dark choice and picture perfect lactar ramoli raul ramoli lucky lactar he's got another ride in the cerise and white colors he's on picture perfect pike has opted for dark choice from the good draw caught the eye the other day but yeah it's just one of those races the get out stakes competition is going to be fun there's going to be a whole array of um entrants no doubt bow count you can make a case for i'm sure there'll be people um throwing um la Bionda, celtic diva they're coming through different form lines as well this is a real tough race to assess for me i'm going with the informed mayor up in grade pierce brothers in a bit of in good order as well roman flirt on top looking for a bit more like eight dollars on race day all right so it's Time for our best betting propositions of the day. Are you guys ready to launch? Yes, price depending. 
you want me to kick it off? Joe for a moment. Yeah, Sublime Image race six. If we can get six dollars, that would be a bet for me. And Silken Eyes at around four dollars twenty plus. I see he's out to three dollars fifty at the moment. Tab touch. Hopefully, we can get a, a few more flux, and they'd be my two uh, bidding propositions. Essential Spice too short and. If we were doing a lay, I'd probably say the Velvet King at the price, although I do love him as a horse. Okay. Best, you, you've got a good record with your best betting proposition on the 1 1, so the listeners will be hanging on every word. What can you do for us, mate? I'm sure they're on 10 hooks right now, <laughs> BJ. Um, I'm going to make three best bets today, so I'll try, oh, try my luck that this way. Is, this is guru like from, <laughs> this is, this is from Pete. Yeah, don't come back, guru. We don't need you anymore. Uh, race three, I'm going to steal your thunder a little bit with Zephyr Queen. <laughs> I think that's a, a touch of value there at the moment. Into race four, Bright Diamond. The price has gone a little bit, but uh, I do favour it over Levitate. Two horse race there. And in race five, I'm going with Perfect Jewel to make it three in a line. And uh, the price about her is okay at the moment also. So I think those three all in all ups and uh, doubles and trebles and see how we go. Good stuff. Yeah. As Pete said, I am very keen on Zephyr Queen. Jumps well, finds the rail and should just win. I think the price is good. Um, I think it was about the current current quote about three dollars two ninety something like that. I was happy to take shorter. So Zephyr Queen is my best betting proposition of the day. Michael, you're new to the one one, but you're a listener, avid listener, no doubt. Maddie territory. We're looking at something twenty to one plus for the listeners um, to speculate on. Uh, around the points, there was not a great deal I could find. Really, I was looking for horses that are well over my price that are. Uh, in the $20 plus range. The only two for the meeting were round the point and one I didn't even mention before in uh, Profit Street in the Essential Spice race. Okay, so we're uh, round the point and Profit Street. uh, Madness from Michael. Pete? Uh, There's two I'm actually quite keen on uh, on an each-way basis. The first one is uh, the Lindsay Smith backup horse, if it should go around in (laughs) continuance. Uh, I just like the fact he's backing this up off three days. it's a race horse, uh, a really great race. I'm really looking forward to watching this race with those unraced horses, which could be anything, and plus the race horses. I, I favour the race horses over the unraced until I've seen what the other ones can do. So continuance at $21 each way. And in the last, we've got the uh, the, the staying race theory in practice with the uh, Justin Warwick train Volkswagen Frank at $21. So I'll make that the other one. Okay. All right, so Pete's going for continuance and Volkswagen Frank as his Maddies. I'll continue the theme of double up Maddies this week. I think uh, I, I think Saraceno is going to run a big race in uh, race seven. Currently, you can he's currently just ticked over into Maddie territory on Sportsbet. He's a twenty one dollar chance. I thought that this the price for too spicy in the two odd race was a bit off. Twenty six dollars. Um, the best of too spicy. Um, is you know early two-year-old form was really really strong, um, even around a, a, in a couple of Karakata Plate lead-ups against the best best fillies going around. Um, just from a class point of view, twenty-six dollars first up the Fernie Camp they can really get them rocking and rolling. So uh, uh, that's the uh, that's my second second leg of my Maddie double too spicy in the two-year-old opening event of the day. All right, that brings our preview to a close. Thanks, Pete and Michael, for your thoughts on the Strickland Stakes card on Saturday. Time to wrap things up on episode 31 of the 1-1. Before we go, just a uh, couple of horses to follow from my end. I um, 
I thought the run of Street Fair first up from the Brett Pope camp yesterday at Belmont, real eye catcher. Probably, I don't know, he probably could have gone close to to, um, to knocking off Rewrite the Stars Street Fair, but it's going to win a race or two this prep. I th- put a spell on you. It was three wide, no cover first up last Saturday. She's a filly with, um, from the Fred Kersey yard with a bit of uh, ability. Uh, look out for her second up, third up. She'll uh, hopefully place to advantage. She can she can pick up um, a couple of wins at Belmont during the winter. And another horse who went around yesterday, Kira and Graham Yule, fair justice. I thought there was plenty of merit in in that performance as well, ran, ran fourth. So they are my three horses to follow. Put a spell on you, fair justice and street fair. Got a couple of horses to follow, some top-notch trialers actually. Queen Brown, which is a winner from the Dan Morton Yard, a two-year-old. Um, I thought that uh, wasn't knocked around in its trial the other day. I imagine it'll be hard to beat in uh, whatever race it steps out in. Queen Brown, for a two-year-old from the Dan Morton Yard. And Jimmy Taylor has a horse by the name of Melody Secret. Worked the nine line nicely in, um, in its um, barrier trial. I imagine it'll be racing first up in the next week or two. All right, and as far as any whatever happened to's uh, um, uh, for, the, for the time being, there is one horse I just want to follow up with. We've spoken a lot about Peter's investments and the Cerise and White. There is a horse by the name of True Attraction who was um, – he ran second in a Belmont Guineas, I think, last last uh, last year, and he went on to win the um, the Diana as well. Uh, hasn't been seen since True Attraction, so want to chase up. I, I believe he might have moved to the Adam Durant yard, so just might check out with the stable just to see where True Attraction is at. Be interested to see if he's going to be getting to a trial anytime soon. So after all that, it's. Um, this is usually Terry's job to take us out, so this is a bit different, but massive thanks to our uh, regular guest, Pete McCormick, for giving up his time to jump on episode 31 of The One One with us. Thank you very much, Pete. And we were in touch with your son, Scott, last weekend, so hopefully we can get Scott on for maybe a father-son combination coming up in the, the next few weeks. As, as I mentioned earlier, we're looking at getting more voices more uh, more people um, onto the one one in future editions and also thanks to Michael Heaton um, does a big job promoting the industry in, in his many many roles and uh, it's a real pleasure that you could fill in at late notice and, and jump on and, and talk West Australian racing with us mate so we really appreciate your efforts thank you very much no worries pleasure to be here and hopefully we can do it again sometime all right big thanks to our producer Jen for all her hard work like us on Spotify Apple iTunes all or everywhere you get your uh, your podcast even put in a review if you're that way inclined um and yeah tell your friends about the one one uh as we said moving forward hopefully the perth racing guru will be back from his sabbatical feeling refreshed and ready to find us many winners but for now it's until next week on the one one